faithfulness, O oh God. You wrestle with the sinner's restless heart. You lead us by still waters into mercy. And nothing can keep us apart. So remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, oh God. Your grace is now, your grace is now, your grace. God of Jacob, you use the weak to lead the strong, you lead us in the song of your salvation, and all your people sing along, so
awesome welcome ladies and gentlemen nice to meet you this afternoon once again in the presence of god it's really a wonderful moment to be in god's presence we thank god for the gift of life that he has given to us uh, since we were born from our mother's womb ladies and gentlemen it's such a pleasure to be in god's presence every time i'm really so much humbled even before the living father every day his grace is enough sorry about that his grace is enough always and i love the lyrics the words are so rich and they are so meaningful his grace is enough there are so many things that we've been passing through in life and we don't know how even we overcame them we never had idea we never had an idea how really we overcame such but we thank the living father that really every time he fights for us this is a day and this is a time that always you need to sit down and you think about these things you really um reflect of uh, certain issues in life kind of lives that you've passed through and i remember and i believe it really go as it really has been god i remember the moment when i was imprisoned and i was at the tender age and <laughs> during those times when i was still on the street and i was called a street kid and eventually god really did his will and i never knew that even i would come out of the the the, the 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 prison i thought that i'm going to be imprisoned forever and ever but god had a reason as to why look into your life reflect about your background and see how far god has brought you maybe before we complain about where you are at least it would be you first be thankful of where god has really um brought you and to this far it has been god's grace therefore ladies and gentlemen it's really my humble request always let us be rememberful to god let us always be thankful to god before even doing anything before we complain before we say what you know this and this and this let us be really appreciative sometimes we need to appreciate god for the gift of life and that is a life we live every day which is miraculous for this evening uh, of course we learned a lot from different and different um preachers if this evening again we are going to learn from the man of god anytime we are going to be welcoming him but before that uh, let's first work on this by the grace of god amen and amen welcome to the Hoimo podcast hosted by pastor john bosco jita Join us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 9 p.m. as we teach and reprove one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to the Lord. Heart of Worship Ministry, The Christian Family. Ladies and gentlemen, as I told you from the beginning, uh, this is Heart of Worship International Ministry Africa. We are really so much happy uh, to have you tonight. Thank you for tuning in. I would like to recognize a few of people. That is Jovi uh, Red Girl. Thank you for joining. Uh, Pastor Daniel Goffrich, thank you for joining in. Already you are in the house. A woman of prayer. Thank you so much. May God bless you. Penny, our moderator, thank you for being in the house. God's love. 
Yes, uh, thank you for having such a wonderful name. It's really God's love. Ladies and gentlemen, let's pray as we are starting our podcast tonight. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. You're such an amazing in everything that you do in our lives. If it wasn't your grace, we wouldn't be even this far. We thank you for all the traps that you've managed, for the battles that you've fought for us, for the arrows that you've saved us from, and King of Glory in all corners of life. There are so many things, misfortunes. Father, we pray that may you strengthen those that are really grieving. They have lost their beloved ones. They have lost their connections. They have lost everything. Father, we pray that may you encourage them and strengthen them. Give them boldness so that they can stand again as the people that believed in you, the Christians, the entire world, the missionaries, the, the ministers of God, pastors, and teachers of God's word. We pray, Father, that you continue to work in their lives so that they can execute your word. Uh, diligently and rightly king of glory as you speak in your word king of God, father we know that scriptures are there and they are profitable for doctrine for correction reproof instruction we pray that as we are learning tonight king of God, father through your the god's your word let it be guiding us and sharpening us and correcting us instructing us leading us the right path and we believe that at the end of the day the things that we learn are the ones that we're going to really apply in our lives um, so that they can really um, help us in the foundation of our lives. King of God, we thank you. We pray for those who are in prisons, the ignorant ones. Uh, we pray for those that are there innocently and those that are guilty that King of Glory may all of them uh, receive the grace. May all of them, Father, see the glory that you try to manifest in their lives and let them get to know you. Some of them are not saved, others are saved, but we pray for whichever purpose, let your will always prevail in our lives. And Father, lastly, we pray for those who are in your hospitals, their legs are lifted high, others are on oxygen, King of God, Father, oxygen machines. We pray that you encourage them. Father, you really support them. Without you, no man can breathe. Without you, nothing can be in existence. Father, we pray that may you continue to be with them and guiding them in this life. We thank you for today as we are going to start up this. Father, may you lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, King of Kings. Music licensing reimagined. All right, I won't take you and I won't really last for long. I would like to thank God once again. Since yesterday, we've been learning a lot of things from different preachers. And yesterday, some people, they handled just a part of, and that was love. Today morning, someone was uh, handling submission. Afternoon, again, someone was handling just a portion of that. Of course, there are so many uh, lessons that I've learned. And one of the outstanding lessons today from the previous preachers, one thing, 
that submission does not apply on only women, does not apply on only wives, let me put it right, but it applies even to a man, because the hierarchy is, I sub, as a man I submit to Jesus Christ, and then a woman submits to me. And what is the return? Christ Jesus loved me, and I'm owed to love the wife. That was my outstanding point. And really I'm think I'm still figuring it out. How really can I do best? I and the question that shocked me, <laughs> Jesus Christ died for ourselves. And he tells us that we need to live his example. If they ask you a question, can you die for your wife? And I discovered that really a lot of things that we sacrifice as men on my time, it's really a big sacrifice. I can die in that way <laughs> and so many other ways. People are having different views and perspectives, but that's what I try to pick up. However, when we come back, I hand over to the next moderator who invite uh, our preacher tonight. May God bless you. Okay, let me walk, take this opportunity to welcome Madam Penny, by the grace of God. Yes, Penny, are you there? Yes. All right. Uh, good evening. Good afternoon. Good morning. <laughs> Greetings to everyone. I hope you're doing great. And a good night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank God that we've made it to the, we've made it to this session. Uh, the planning and all that stuff was really uh, a long process, and it was huge work. I want to applaud everyone who has been a part of it. the conference happens. Thank you so much. Uh, everyone, um, speaker of the day, and yeah, before I welcome the speaker of the day, I also want to give a highlight of today, like what I learned today. Because <laughs> John Bosco is afraid of dying, but. <laughs> So I get ready. Anyway, my highlight of the day is that I fear the cross. <laughs> um we we should we should submit to Christ first before we submit to anyone else we should first submit to christ that was really that session and for this session we are going to have pastor daniel joffrey he's also going to be preaching about he's going to be sharing with us about submission um 
just to know, Pastor Geoffrey uh, is from United States of America, and he has been a pastor there for 20 good years. He has been there for 20 good years, and he is a married man. He's a married man. The men here should learn from him. <laughs> yes. He's a married man, and I believe that being the fact, he's, uh, he has the moral authority to speak to us today. Uh, Pastor Daniel, I want to welcome you and say something to us. How are you? Well, thank you, Penny. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Good, good. Well, thank you for allowing me to be part of your conference. I'm calling from the United States, from Indiana, where it is very cold still. We've had snow for the past couple of days. It's not warm yet. So I'm with you in spirit with your warm weather because I don't like the cold. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you inviting me to be part of your conference and to help uh, with this final session today. This is a, a privilege for me, and I just appreciate. Thank you for allowing me to be with you. You're welcome. Thank you, too, for allowing to be with us. So, yes, I'm married. I have been married for 26 years. We have four children, uh, three sons and one daughter who are grown. Uh, two of our sons are married. Themse uh, they themselves are married. And we have one grandchild on the way. So it's safe to say that I know a little something, like you said, about marriage, um, love, uh, hopefully some submission. And um, it's great to be able to share some thoughts with you and your your audience today. We thank the Lord. So, so um, okay. Yes, you can go, go on. <laughs> yes, just going to ask. So, what do you have for us today? We are really excited and happy that you're with us. We're excited to hear from you. <laughs> okay. Well, I'd like to uh, basically my outline would be to cover three or four main thoughts and share some things with you from scripture. I'd love to take questions if you or your listeners have questions uh, as we wrap up this this uh, you know this conference and just discuss some of these things with you. Um, some of this will probably be uh, repeated from some of your other speakers, but that's okay because sometimes we need to hear the same thing multiple times from multiple people before it really sinks in and, and we understand it. So I'm just going to start with a basic definition of what does submission mean? Uh, the word uh, pastor daniel is... your, your your voice yes sir it's a bit low uh would you please try to increase it a bit um i don't know that i can increase my microphone yeah 
maybe on a device that you use, you can increase the volume, uh, something like that. All right. Is that better? At least, at least. Thank you. Yes, good, okay. Um, <clears throat> the word submission or submit uh, is sometimes or often used very negatively. You know, when someone, when we are, when we are told you must submit or uh, women, wives, you must submit to your husbands or to men, that's often used negatively. But the, when, it's, when the word is used in the Bible, it's not meant most of the time negatively. It's meant positively and it's simply, or, or, or neutral, and it simply means to arrange one below another. So if I have a stack of books and I change the order, and I say, I do not want this one, this book on top. I want this book a little bit lower in the stack. I'm submitting that book to the ones that are going to be higher. It has nothing to do with whether that is a good book or a bad book. It does not have anything to do with is one book better than another. I could be arranging them because of size. I could be arranging them because of color, because of topic. I could say, I want to read a different book first. And so I'll put that on top and everything else is arranged below that one. That's all the word submit means in the New Testament is to arrange. Sometimes it can be uh, voluntary. Many times it's voluntary. Many times it's not. Um, if we think of the concept of the military, uh, some of your listeners may have served in the military. Many people in the United States and around the world serve in the military. And in the military, it's very difficult to be at the top. Most of our military members are not at the top. They are below somebody else. And when someone of a higher rank walks into the room, walks by the people of a lower rank salute them they stand up when someone of a higher rank walks in that's submission it has nothing to do with is the person with the higher rank better than the person with the lower rank no it is simply the order in which uh the people are uh, ranked or their function in their hierarchy. When I was young, uh, I was just a child. I was taught that if someone older, if an older man or an older woman comes into the room or is looking for a seat, I, as a young person should stand up and offer my seat to the older person. Is that because they're better than I am? No. It's simply out of respect for the older people. That is the concept that we find when it comes to uh, the, this, this idea of submission. Many, many times in the New Testament, that's all we're talking about. 
We're not talking about worth. We're not talking about value. We're not saying that someone is inferior or superior to someone else. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with uh, rank or order or function or role. And I know that the concept that we are, you, you both have, you have mentioned this already on, on the, the show so far, uh, even this evening, that is that we are to submit to Jesus. And that's true. But if we go to the book of Luke, we find that when Jesus was a teenager, he's 12, 13 years old, his parents have taken him to Jerusalem. And if you remember the account, Joseph and Mary start to go back home and they have left Jesus in Jerusalem. And it's not that, you know, he's lost. He knows where he is, <laughs> even if they didn't know where he was. And he was in the temple talking with the religious leaders, the spiritual leaders and asking questions and giving answers. And when Joseph and Mary came back to Jerusalem to get him and take him home. Luke chapter 2, verse 51 says that he went with them and came to Nazareth and submitted himself, or maybe your translation says was obedient to them. That is the same word. Jesus himself, when he was a child, practiced submission when it was appropriate. And so while we can say, yes, we should be submissive to Jesus, we should submit ourselves to Jesus, even Jesus, when he was a child, knew that it was appropriate to submit himself to his parents. And he did that voluntarily. They did not force him. They did not make him do it. He did it voluntarily. So how does that sound so far? Does that make sense so far? Yes, it does make sense. It like for me it has given me uh, another perspective of viewing submission. It's not something that's bad. It's not usually some people like there are some groups of people, the women, some groups of women that say submission is just something that uh what is the what is the word what is the word i've forgotten the word like men invented just to oppress women uh, yeah but that's a better uh, kind of view yes i know that some people teach that and it's wrong and it is unfortunate because submission is actually a good thing. And we'll here in just a little bit. Submission is good. And when somebody treats it as if it were bad or sinful or oppressive, miss on um, the, the good aspect. We miss out on the blessings that come with submission. Submission to each, uh, to each other each other blessings come with blessings come with that 
All right, is it good pay? I think you can go on. Just uh, thank Pastor you. John Blanc, I think you can go. Have something. No, 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 no. It was just a feedback uh, that made, but it's fine. You can go on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thanks. Well. Is the recognition that submission, this this ranking or this ordering, uh, when we place ourselves voluntarily under someone else, it can sometimes have to do with a situation. Uh, it's not necessarily even supposed to happen all the time. So for instance, if I have a job and I'm at work, I have a boss, an employer, someone who is higher than I am. And he gives me work to do. He gives me instructions or, or uh, whether male or female, whoever, whoever is my boss, I have to obey the boss at work. I have to do what they tell me to do. They are paying me to do work. And so I follow their instructions. But does that mean that I am to submit to them in every part of my life? Of course not. If we're outside and we decide, um, you know, after work or on the weekend, let's go watch a ball game together. And we're standing on the sidelines or we're sitting on the sidelines on the bench watching the, the teams play. And in that situation, we're just friends. There's no submission necessary. There's no hierarchy there. We're just two fans, friends watching the ball game. And so submission, because it doesn't have to do with a person's value, but it has to do with the person's function, when we are outside of the place where that function matters or that function is necessary, the submission can actually change. Here's another example. Let's say that I am a pastor in our church here in Indiana, and one of our church members owns a company, owns a business, and he hires me to do some work for him. What we end up with is two levels of submission. When he's at church, he is under my care, under my leadership. If I am his pastor, there is a, there is a place where church members, where Christians are to listen to, submit themselves to their church leaders. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. In spiritual matters, in church matters, we submit ourselves to our church leaders. But when I go to work for him, now I am not a pastor with a church member. Now I am an employee and he is my boss and I must submit to him because it doesn't have anything to do with me and my value and my worth or me and who I am, but rather submission has to do with the role that I am playing. And in one 
part of the day, I may be serving as a pastor. And in another part of the day, I'm serving the same person as an employee and our roles change. And so the level of submission changes. And that's an important concept that I think that we sometimes overlook. Another example of that same type of situational submission we find in the New Testament. And uh, in first century uh, Israel and the first century Roman Empire, there was um, a, an economic necessity where, uh, of, of masters and slaves. And this, of course, has been you know, misused and abused throughout the world, um, throughout history. But in the first, cent in first century Rome, um, we're told that upwards to maybe two-thirds of the people, two-thirds of the population were slaves to someone else throughout the Roman Empire. And so when a master, when a homeowner has slaves at home, of course, they are supposed to submit to him. Paul talks about this in Ephesians. He talks about this in Colossians. There's the, the, the servants, the slaves are supposed to submit to their masters. But what's interesting is that in some of those same writings, when he talks to masters and slaves, the apostle Paul said, but in the church, your brothers, when you two are sitting side by side, worshiping the same savior, the master-slave relationship goes away for that moment, and you're worshiping as brothers and sisters in Christ. So again, a person was not a master or a slave because of their worth or their value, but simply because of their role. And when they were not in that role, when they were in a different situation, the submission can change. And that's, I think that is such an important point that we miss sometimes. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Are there, um, are there any questions so far that um, Penny, you or Pastor John Bosco or any of our audience would like to ask before we uh, continue on with some of uh, some of this other teaching? Uh, personally, I haven't yet gotten because I'm so much focused on learning. <laughs> I don't want you to stop. <laughs> but anyway, when I get a question, I'll really ask because I'm really so much interested in the teaching. I feel like I don't want us to finish. <laughs> That's good, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I would like to um, it, it, I would like to prove I've, I have said several times now that submission is not about a person's value or a person's worth. And I think I can prove that biblically. And I'd like to show you or refer to First Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, when I am uh, when I'm doing, 
uh, counseling with with um, a couple who wants to be married. I always talk about this and I teach them this concept of submission in marriage uh, because that's how we usually think about it. But I go before we go to Ephesians 5 and some of these other passages that we usually think about, I always go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 first. And I'm looking specifically at verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. And the Apostle Paul writes, I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man. Now let me stop there for just a moment. If that was the only part of the verse that we had, Christ is the head of every man, we would think, of course he's the head. He's God. I'm human. Uh, he's much bigger than I am. He's more powerful. He's better than I am. He's sinless and I am sinful. Um, of, of course, he's the head of every man. He is more valuable than I am. I am inferior to Christ. And that would be a logical, normal assumption. But let's continue in the verse. Not only does he say that Christ is the head of every man. Next, he says, the man is the head of a woman. Or depending on the context, a, a husband is head of a wife. And we say, okay, I can see that, that uh, just like Christ is the head of, a, of a, a man, a man is supposed to be head over a woman, over his wife. And there are many people, as we've said, who have taken that to mean that if a man is inferior to Christ, then a woman is inferior to a man. A man is more important than a woman. A husband is more important than his wife. A wife is not valuable, or she is worth only what the man can trade or buy or, you know, whatever. What, what, whatever value she can bring to the relationship is the only value she has. She has no intrinsic, inherent value as a woman, as a person, as someone who is the image of God, but she is less than a man. But wait, that's not the end of the verse. Christ is the head of every man. The man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. Now, I have to ask, does your doctrine, does your theology put God and Christ as equal or not equal? You see, when I study the scriptures, when I study the Bible, what I see is that Christ, uh, which is a title for Jesus, that Jesus is the eternal son of God. He is one of three members of a trinity of the Godhead, and each of those three members, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, are equal. They're equal in every way except one. They're equal in their nature. They're equal in their essence. They're equal in their attributes. 
God the Father is not one thing and the Son is something different. God the Father is not holy and the Son is less. It's not that the Father is holy and the Son is less than holy. It's not that the Spirit is omniscient. Omniscient. All three members have the same characteristics, the same attributes, the same nature. They are equal. except one. And that one has nothing to do with their value. It has nothing to do with their function. It has, or, or sorry, worth, nothing to do with being inferior or superior. None of the three is less than the other one, but have different functions. They all have different roles that they play as they carry out their will. the how the three members of the trinity the godhead work with each other here's the big picture if i would say how does god work i would say the father and accomplishes the plan and the spirit empowers the plan gives life or gives power to the plan. Here are two examples. Think of creation. We go to Genesis chapter one, and we find that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we say, yes, I know that. I've read that verse before. Um, I've memorized it. We've studied it. Not a problem. God is the creator. And verse two says, that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, the deep waters. And that, that the Hebrew word there, translated hovered, uh, is the same word, the same concept that a, um, a hen, a chicken, hovers over her little chicks, keeps them warm, gives them life. And the Holy Spirit, before God brought anything else into existence, was hovering over, was was uh, empowering the creation process. But that's not the only thing that we find out about creation. When we go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, we find out a new detail that we have not read anywhere previously, especially in Genesis, and that is that the Word who was with God in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was indeed God. The same was in the beginning with God. And what we find in John chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, the Word was with God in the beginning. All things were created by Him. Which Him? God the Father? No, the Word. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. And we find the same concept in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1. If we look, starting in verse 3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory, 
uh, and the representation of his essence. He sustains all things by his powerful word, but he doesn't just sustain. He does not just uphold everything. In verse 2, we're told that through this son, God created the world. And so in Genesis 1-1, when we read that God created the world and the spirit was hovering over the surface of the water, what we don't see is the second member of the Trinity there. But John and, and Hebrews both tell us God the Father made the plan. It was God who created the world, but he did it through Jesus. Jesus actually accomplished the creation, and the Holy Spirit empowered the life of the creation. Another example of this three-part function is in salvation, not just creation, but salvation. If we were to go to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, we would find a three-part description about salvation. In verses 3 through 6, we find what the Father does in salvation. He planned salvation from before the foundation of the world. He had already planned what salvation was, how it was going to work, how he was going to to make it happen. In Ephesians 1 verses 7 through 12, we find out that Jesus accomplished the plan of salvation. Of course, he did this when he died on the cross and he rose again from the dead. And all who believe in Jesus as Savior receive salvation for eternity. It's not something that we can be good enough to get in. It is a gift. And it's not something that we can be bad enough to be kicked out. It's a gift. The Father planned it. The Son accomplished it. And in verses 13 and 14 of Ephesians 1, we find that the Holy Spirit is the one who seals and seals us, holds us, and gives us the actual life, empowers us for ministry in 1 Corinthians, in Titus 3, uh, we are brought to life, the regeneration through the Holy Spirit, born again, all of that stuff. And so we have the three members of the Godhead who are co-equal, completely equal in every way, except they have a different role to play. They have a different function when they're carrying out the Father's plan. And so when we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, and we read that Christ is the head of every man, and a man is the head of a woman, and, and God is the head of Christ, we cannot um, assume that this is talking about value or worth, because God is not more valuable than Christ is. Christ is not inf uh, inferior to God the Father. He is equal to him, but they have different roles. And so the context that we have in 1 Corinthians 11 has to do when, when Christ is the head of a man, we have different roles in the body. When man is the, head, or is the head of a woman, we have different roles in this life, in this church, in marriage, in our communities. But that doesn't mean that one is more valuable or worth more than another. 
And I proved that because God is the head of Christ. And those two are equal when it comes to value. How does that sound? Does that make sense? I love the connection. Hey! <laughs> the explanation. Now, there's something I've discovered. Uh, the uh, I think the perspective that we, I had about um, submission in marriage, I think now it is beyond. And by the way, there's another perspective that when you go to marriage, it's all about sex. It's all about um, the wife that you've gotten, the, her beauty and so on. But now I see it is beyond that. It's more of a reflection of what really God um, wants us to know about the laws. Should I call it gender roles? Because for us, we put on fresh. And yeah, should I call them like gender roles? So a man is responsible and a woman is responsible for, but these, when they come together, uh, everything comes to its fulfillment. So it's a reflection, a picture, and Christ really uh, mentioned. Now, I've come to understand the statement that Jesus made that um, men, we should love our, our, our wives, our, our husband should love a wife as Christ Jesus loved the church. So now I see the reflection. So it's not all about what really the perspective I had. It's beyond that. So I take the word reflection, a picture, um, an example, um, a figurative way of showing what really Christ wants us to understand in this. Uh, so far, that's what has made sense to me. Let me hope I'm still on track. <laughs> yeah, I think you're exactly right. The, the concept of Christ and the church in Ephesians 5, which we will talk about in a little bit, there's nothing in the scriptures that says that Jesus actually marries the church. The, the bride of Christ concept is, is there as an example, not necessarily as a literal thing. And so when Christ loves the church and husbands are to love their wives, I think you are exactly right, uh, Pastor John Bosco, that that is a reflection. It is an example of how things are supposed to work. I, I think you're exactly right. Yeah, and uh, it's really, the, the perspective I had, it's really different. And now, but now today I've come to understand. And of course, always I've been looking ways how I can have it in the right context. You know, sometimes we read scriptures, verses, and sometimes we pick what really we want, what favors us, so that we can um, satisfy our sides. <laughs> because the Bible said that women, oh, I don't, I want to avoid the word women because it's really different in, it's different when someone wants to make an explanation. But I want to use the right word, wife. So when, 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 when it's all about a wife to submit, we so much hurry um, to command them. We don't even request them to do so, but we command them and we make it as if it's a must. Eh? We make it to be a must. Now, the question that I will shoot from there, um, um, how is it supposed to be? Is it, um, uh, can, can a woman do it willingly? And at which, uh, let me, how can I phrase it? Okay. Um, um, how much a, 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 a wife uh, should submit? What is the, the point of, the, uh, how, what do we depend on 
um, is it willingly or it's supposed to be a must because the Bible say, um, and can't this be used as an advantage for men? Because sometimes, and again, even the men, is it a must that that's how it's supposed to be that they have to love? I would like to know the context there. How can each and how can each partner really apply such? How can it be applied um, to get, uh, like a man and a woman? How can it be applied in that in, in such context? Okay. Well, let's turn to Ephesians 5 then and see what the text says because we want <laughs> we want to get our 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 theology yeah. our doctrine and <laughs> yeah. our application from the text, right? <laughs> now, most people if you say turn in your bible to Ephesians chapter 5, we are going to be talking about submission. Pastor John Bosco, what verse are they going to turn to? What verse will they look at first? Uh, the Colossians, I, 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 I always look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse um, 18, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, verse 18. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, what if we what if we are in in not in Colossians? What if we're in e Ephesians, chapter five, mm. and uh, let's say you are, and you say, our text is in Ephesians chapter five, mm -hmm. and we will be talking about submission. Where do you think most people will will they look at first? Uh, the entire chapter, or oh, with this? You want me to pick a specific verse? <laughs> You want me to pick a specific verse? Let, uh, let me. Oh, yeah, help me out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we will turn to verse 22 because verse 22 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to. Submission. And I think that happens all over the world. I know I've seen that happen here in the United States. Oh, yeah, definitely. But what's, inter <laughs> <laughs> what's interesting is that just like you, uh, Pastor, and I were just talking, verses 22 through 23 or through 33 are, while there are instructions there, it is primarily an example. It's a specific application to a general principle. And the general principle starts in verse 15. So we can't start in verse 22. We have to go back to verse 15. And starting in verse 15, we find, consider carefully how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, or maybe your translation says redeeming the time, because the days are evil. And so do not be foolish, but be wise, understanding the will of the Lord, and do not get drunk with wine, 
which is dissipation or debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And then verses 19, 20, and 21 show us what it means to be filled with the Spirit. We do this by speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, by singing and making music in our hearts to the Lord, by giving thanks always to God the Father for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by submitting to one another out of reverence or respect for Christ. That is the passage that sets up verses 22 through 33. And if all we do is study the last half of the chapter, we have missed why the last half is so important. It's not just about women submit to your men, wives submit to your husbands. Submission in this context has a very specific meaning, and it starts with submitting to each other by submitting to the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Spirit in verse 18 means to submit to Him, means to obey the Spirit. The same concept is found in Galatians chapter 5, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit against the works of the flesh. And the Apostle Paul said, you cannot fulfill the lust of the flesh and obey the Holy Spirit at the same time. They will be two different things. And so if, in answer to your question, if we have a man who is commanding, demanding respect from his wife, demanding submission and whatever, however he's defining submission, you must make my meals all the time exactly the way I want, when I want them. You must have sex with me when I want, whenever I want, however I want, and I don't care what you think. That's not biblical submission. That's not Christian submission. In fact, that's not Christianity at all. That is tyrant that is dictator, that is the living out of the sinful nature, the flesh, that is not a reflection of the fruit of the Spirit. That is not how Jesus treats his church, and that is not how men should treat their wives. And yet there is a role of submission. So we have to figure out how does submission work without pushing down the other person? That's the negative concept. We think of submission as pushing someone down so that we can be higher. But that's not biblical submission. Biblical submission is something very different. And I'll show you that in just a moment. But it comes from a heart that wants to love and serve and please God and others. And it's not just a good thing to do. It's not even just the right thing to do. But if we go back to verses 5 through 17, we find that it is actually the living out of God's wisdom. If we are seeking what is the Lord's will 
in this? What is, uh, what is the right way for me to live? What is the wise choice for me to make? It's interesting that the answer is submit to the spirit, which looks like submitting to each other. All right, I'm going to ask again. Does that make sense before it? Because that's the foundation for everything else in chapter five here. So does that foundation make sense? It certainly makes sense to me. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. It's uh, helping me understand much more better what you said at the beginning. I don't know what the people in the comment section are thinking. Jovi says it makes sense a lot. Guys, feel free to tell us. Use the comment section or you can call in. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad it's it's making a little bit of sense here. Um because this is what is going to drive uh, the rest of how we live, right? So, wives, we do pick up in verse 22 now. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. That's not a standalone command. That is the very next verse after all believers submit to each other. Now, what that looks like, we still have to explain, we still have to discover, but this is, we, we cannot separate verse 22 from the rest of the New Testament. And so often people try to do that. Wives submit. That's what the Bible says. Well, yes, it's true. That's what the Bible says, but that's not all the Bible says. <laughs> and that's certainly not what it says in its context. Because the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. Now, we've already talked about what head means when it comes to these roles in 1 Corinthians 11. It's not about value. This is not that a husband is more valuable than a wife or a wife is inferior to her husband. It's simply how we function together. As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And again, some people take that to mean that the husband can be a dictator, can make demands on his wife that, that uh, sadly are simply cruel and uh, sinful. But it says, as Christ and the church, how does Christ lead the church. We're talking about leadership here. We're not talking about pushing people down. We're talking about roles in the family, roles in the church, roles at home. We're talking about leadership. How does a good, godly leader lead people? How does Jesus lead the church? Does he beat up on his sheep? Does he make demands of his sheep that are cruel? Does he hurt his sheep for the fun of it? Absolutely not. He loves his sheep. And the ultimate expression of his love was that he...
I think we lost Pastor Daniel because of network. But I think he's coming back. So guys, you can we can be sharing what we've um learned. Jovi said it made a lot of sense. You can share with us what really made sense. Pastor Tony, good evening. I see you already called in. Um how did you understand? How did you understand yes. the submission that Pastor Daniel was talking about? Uh yes, good evening, uh listeners. Um I'm here just with my wife, uh Nita. You're trying to enjoy this part of uh Professor Daniel. Daniel uh, is my teacher, he's been teaching us for a lot of time. Today, there's something that he actually has tackled, especially about biblical submission and wordless submission, that even though our wives you know, are supposed to love us, but is not like a must, like they should, 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 you know, reaching an extent of now making it become like a law in the house that if they don't, you know, okay, if they don't submit, then it's as they've done like a very huge crime. Even women, I know women, they always like for us to be buying food, you know, be one to pay school fees, you know, be the one to take care and build their house. So women also, sometimes they also tend to, you know, make, law you know that if you don't do this you have done so much you have done a crime and this has brought fear within so many so marriages are at stake just because they're looking at this as laws and women have also taken this advantage and have went supported their husbands to to authorities, to you know, community police, to children's department, because they have refused to take it. So it tends to becoming like really a war between, you know, you know, I don't know whether you are picking what in here. But the church, some of us are really stubborn, really what, but you know. There is a way God is keeping on, you know, directing us with patience, with a lot uh, of feelings, a lot of, you know, care. So this submission of us should be biblical, not like the one from the army, where they say, Oda and Moja, you know, where they say, Oda and Moja, Oda and Moja. In the army, if they, there's no saying no, you have to accept your superiors. I think in biblical, um, submission is supposed to be godly uh like how uh pastor daniel has actually put it forward i think that's what i have picked <laughs> thank you so much pastor tony uh on that insight yeah it's not like we are not in the army <laughs> That's amazing. Guys, in the comment section, what did you understand? 
the thing first time you must cry saying something watch away the things of watch away <laughs> Yeah, so if you have anything to say in the comment section, please go ahead and share with us what you've understood, what you've understood so far. Jovi, what have you understood? And you can also call in, guys, call in and share with us what you've understood. Yeah. Otherwise, to to this him. is the heart. I'm trying to get him, but maybe just the network. Oh, okay. We pray that. We pray that he gets back soon. So, guys, this is the heart of worship ministry. I want to welcome you again. This is a singles conference, and this is the last session. I want to thank everyone who has been here, those who joined us in the way, those who have been with us since yesterday, the very first session yesterday. Thank you so much for, uh, yesterday we had some technical issues, but thank you so much for being patient with us and being understanding. Thank you so much uh, for hanging in there and for keeping up with us. Oh, Pastor Jeffrey is back. Sorry? Sorry? Yeah, well, we were just praying for you. <laughs> Welcome back. Well, thank you. Was I was thank, I had was I disconnected? I, was I had I disconnected? I think it was a network issue. Oh. Oh. Yes, you can please go ahead. Can you tell me what was the last thing you heard me say? I don't know what was the last thing you heard. I'm not sure where I should, um, where I should pick up in my in my thoughts. Oh, uh, it's not like um, for me. I ended to hear you because of the network, but I ended to hear you that. Uh, we shouldn't have a right perspective about the submission. It's not by force. You don't just make it forcefully that it is a must, uh, that you, this is what you're supposed to do in terms of demanding for it as many are demanding for submission. And of course, even to the side of women as they are demanding for love, it's, it has to be really, uh, the biblical submission is really different from the world view. So that's where for me I ended to hear. That's where for me I ended to hear you. Did you hear my example of how a husband and a wife are supposed to uh, be the examples of Jesus to their spouse? Did, did you hear that? Or was that part of the network problem? It was a network problem. So you were, you were, you were uh, trying to explain and then you blacked out. <laughs> so you've just come back. <laughs> so you can just make okay. a presentation. Uh, you can just make a review and then, yeah. 
Okay, what I was saying then is that I heard a pastor once say that a husband, and I'll, I'll say husband and wife both, in first century Ephesus, the there was not the the it, it was more more of a hierarchy, more of a of a patriarchy, top down. It was you know husbands about their wives. You'll notice that that it does not say that wives are supposed to you know love their husbands, even though we know that's true. So. Even though the text does not say it, I'm going to apply it in both directions. And that is that until we see Jesus, until Jesus comes for us, all we have is each other. And so this pastor challenged us saying, husbands, the way you talk to your wife, the way you touch your wife, the way you uh, treat your wife, that should be the best example of Jesus to your wife. She should be able to see Jesus' love in the way you talk to her and touch her and treat her. And I would say the same is, is the other direction. Husbands uh, or wives, your husbands should be able to experience the love of Jesus through how you talk to your husbands, treat your husbands, touch your husbands. If we are forcibly making demands out of our sinful nature, if we are pushing them down, submission often thinks about pushing people down. If we are constantly pushing down our spouse and calling that submission, that's not biblical. And it's certainly not biblical Christianity. We should be loving them, treating them, and so when it says husbands love your wives, when it says that wives submit to your husbands, this is a very positive thing as we express God's own love, Jesus' own love to each other. Um, uh, verse 33, each one of you must also love his own wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let me give you a thought. Husbands, if you think you your wife should respect you, if you want your wife to respect you, you should be a respectable person. Respect is earned, not just given. Of course, it is given, but it's also earned. And I know far too many Christian men who demand respect when they are not respectable. They are not somebody worth respecting. And the other side is true. Husbands are supposed to love your wives. Wives, let me tell let me if you are going to be a wife or if you are a wife, let me tell you. If you want your husband to love you, be lovable. Be someone worth loving. There are far too many Christian women out there that are difficult to love. And their husbands have a hard time loving them because they are simply so mean. They nag at their husbands all the time. They talk down 
to their husbands. They talk badly about their husbands. And that type of woman is hard to love. The book of Proverbs tells us that um, certain women are, it's better to, uh, (laughs) Solomon says, it's better to live in a house with a dripping faucet, drip, 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 than with a contentious wife. It's hard. It's hard to be lovable. It's hard to be respectable. But before we demand that someone respects me or loves me, I should make sure that I am worth loving, I'm worth respecting, I'm the type of person that um, where they want to love me, they want to respect me. You see, this is why it goes back to verse 18. Submission, even in marriage, submission is not what can the other person do for me? But submission is how am I following the Holy Spirit? How am I growing? How am I becoming more Christ-like? And then we see how the other person responds to that. Ephesians chapter 5, the love and respect, especially the submission, the wife's submission to the husband, is a result. It's not a demand. It's not something that the husband should force. But as the husband loves his wife properly, the wife wants to submit, wants to place herself under the care, under the the strength of her husband. She wants to voluntarily order herself, rank herself under him because she knows that he loves her and he will take care of her and he will help her and he will teach her and he will grow her and he will support her. And she wants that. That's a picture of a biblical marriage. So this idea of submission that we have in our, our churches and that we have in our communities today is, is really bad, and it's not biblical. In fact, I think we get a good definition. I'm finally going to come to a practical definition now. How can we do this? What does this look in real life? And I think that we get that in Philippians chapter 2. So if you have your Bible and you're looking at some of these, I encourage you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. And uh, the whole passage is verses 1, but we we won't read the whole passage. But we'll start with verse 1. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, any fellowship in the Spirit, by being of the same mind, by having the same love, being united in Spirit, having one mind, one purpose, one goal, Now look at verses three and four. 
each of you in humility should be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself. Each of you should be concerned not only about your own interests, but about the interests of others as well. That right there is our definition of submission. When I choose to submit myself to Christ, what I'm saying is, Jesus, what is your goal? What is your purpose? What is it that you are interested in that I can be a part of? When we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, we're saying, Holy Spirit, what is the ministry that you are doing that I can be a part of? It's about you. It's not about me. And when we look at each other, and this is applies to our husbands and wives as well, when we look at each other, Christian submission says, how can I serve you today? How can I help you today? How can I point you to Jesus a little bit more today than I did yesterday? It doesn't mean we have to be careful. It does not mean that I completely look at myself as having no value, that I have nothing of importance, that I have nothing of worth, because verse 3 says, um, or sorry, verse 4, should be concerned not only about your own interests. We do have our own interests. There are things that we want to accomplish. There are things that we like and dislike. There are things that matter to us. And we're not supposed to ignore those things. But too many of us focus on only those things. And we never care about the interests of someone else. Christian submission says, how can I love you today? How can I serve you today? What can I share with you today that helps you grow in your spiritual life? Now, look at verse 5. You should have this same mind, this same attitude that Jesus had. Isn't that interesting? In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul used the example of Christ laying down his life. And that's how he showed his love for the church. Here in Philippians chapter 2, he uses the same illustration of Jesus dying. But he puts it just a little bit different context when he says, listen, he, he took on a human nature. He took on the form of a servant. He didn't think that he needed to completely cling to his, his godness, his deity. He did not come to earth and demand to be worshipped. He came as a servant. He came humbly. Even Jesus said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. And Paul says, listen, I want you to have the same attitude, the same mindset, the same perspective that Jesus had. And look at what Jesus did. He humbled himself for you. He took on a role of a servant for you. He even died 
for you. And again, I don't know if this was during the, the network problem or not, but I'll say it again. Dying is easy. It would be very easy for me to die for my wife. But living for my wife day after day, that's what's hard. If somebody says, would you die for your wife? I'll say, of course I'll die for my wife. But would you live for her? Would you live to serve her? Would you live to love her day after day after day? That's harder. And it's something I've tried to do for 26 years with my wife. And I'll tell you that I am a failure. I have not done that every day. I have not submitted. I have not led her well. She has not submitted to me well. She has not served me well. I have not served her well 100% of the time. Over 26 years, we are still sinful people, and we still don't always live out our Christ-likeness. But I'll tell you that because we have tried, because we have taken these passages to heart, because we do really love each other, and we try to show that, I will tell you that we have a good marriage. We have a strong marriage, and I desperately love my wife, not as much as Jesus loves me, but I really, really love my wife, and she really loves me, and she respects me, and we submit to each other in different ways. I serve her, and she serves me. Again, not flawlessly, not perfectly, but we try, and that's what God has called us to do. And so the practical definition of submission, what does it mean to submit? What does it look like to submit comes down to service. How can I serve you? What can I do for you? I want to think of you in this moment as more important than me. I want to think of what you care about as more important than what I care about in this moment. That, my friends, is submission. And when we do that in our marriages, that can involve sex, that can involve meals, that can involve children, that can involve so many other things. And um, if, if we have time, we can talk about Proverbs 31 and how uh, all of that works together as well, because some people, again, think that a wife submitting means that, you know, she just has to stay home and do whatever her husband says. And that's not true. That's not biblical. Um, but that's how I define submission. I think that's how the Apostle Paul defines submission. And I think that's a practical example of what submission should look like in the home. So let me turn it back to you for a bit and see if there are some questions and some specific things that you'd like to talk about. First, be lovable. <laughs> uh, and women, be worthy to be loved. Then submission is, uh, is what another... Submission is not what someone can do for me, but it's all about the obedience because... I've come even to realize that marriage is it's not even all, it's not even all about us, but we are stewards to that. 
we are stewards. It's like someone waking up in the morning and you become a steward uh, to be a full-time minister in ministry. You start up ministry to help people with different agendas, goals, and so on. My perspective is continues to change and really it means my submission to Christ it's an act of obedience to God. And again, there is something we discussed about daytime and you've brought it back and you, you've given a right point. And really this, I've taken it entirely. So dying for my wife is easy, <laughs> but I need to ask myself, how can, uh, do, can I live uh, to my wife? Do I live by my wife? And then service 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 most of times of us we don't want to hear about that can i serve my wife can my wife serve me and these are the questions i need to ask myself so that i can adjust and make some audits about my day life most especially when it comes to our day life but live up to my wife really if if dying for wife there are men i know when you tell them that can you die for your wife really they can do so and uh, we've been seeing this in relationships someone says to a girl no for me i don't love you or a girl tells a boy that to me i don't love you or what maybe they get any misunderstanding and sometimes people they make weird decisions you find someone want to throw himself from a certain height to down such that can show that okay what you've done in other words i don't even deserve by the way when you talk about dying it is possible if it even if this physical dying i have seen that i have actually i've seen that with with my friends and i had to take a step of really always encouraging them and these are so many things that i bring together and i become more careful when it comes to relationship issues because these things are happening. Someone who can't do anything, a girl cutting herself, uh, the veins, uh, or the, uh, yeah, the veins, all the arteries, just because something has happened between her relationship, uh, between her and, and, and her boyfriend. So you, you can see such weird things that are always happening. In other words, death could not be a big deal, but in the biblical sense, we are encouraged. Can we really live to our wives? Can we maintain that? Because that's the most uh, important thing. And then with the service, we need to ask ourselves. We need to ask our partners, how can I serve you? Oh, what a wonderful statement to ask. <laughs> how can I serve you? It's like going in a hotel or in a restaurant and the waiter comes and say, oh, how can I serve you? what kind of meals would you like to eat what kind of juice would you like to eat they give you the menu full of eats <laughs> the pizzas all types of pizzas so the word pizza is just a general word but they will ask you which type of pizza beef chicken pizza beef pizza vegetable so you can see and are they, a simple example i can give in this is those are people the, the cafe javas people you know i love so much cafe javas <laughs> I normally be there and I normally order food from there, but they, they cook well for sure. So it's like I was even imagining how Cafe Javas, they really give care when you go um, to eat from there or maybe when you make an order from them. There is a lot of... So 
really they ask how can they serve you and i think we can transfer this as in with the context of customer care uh even the way how you ask how can i serve you but uh in african context most of men in africa always we ask ourselves these questions but how do you want me now to do how why how do you want me to serve you now eh? i've done this you're not seeing it and sometimes people pretend uh, some people tend not to see what others do so sometimes our focus is on what someone has done for me and by the way pastor daniel that one you have enlightened it most of times plus what we know in our minds what my partner has done for me and it's what i take it to be um uh, uh, uh the, the the big thing but i think here i learned to do something to do something in the life of my wife and even loving my wife unconditionally um i think that's my submission according uh, according to what you've shared so far unless there is someone else who would like to add on but that's what i can say so far uh maybe uh could maybe ask uh professor daniel uh you have talked about you know in the 26 years of marriage i i have just made one year in marriage and um you shared about you never being perfect you never being you you know sinning a lot and not uh loving and not loving and your wife not submitting to a hundred percent so how have you managed you know to live and you know continue staying together for all these years despite of all you know what you have gone through what has been some of the things that you have been sticking to you know allow you stay or for this long that some of us who are just new in marriage are going to copy and to help us also maybe celebrate more anniversaries well thank you pastor uh david tony glad that you are on um friend of mine um there are a couple of thoughts <clears throat> number one when we decided that we were going to get married we decided that we would not get unmarried uh too many people go into marriage thinking well if this doesn't work out we can just get divorced we can separate and we can go find somebody else and this is this is true in many cultures i think part of it has to do with how we date and uh if if you know if i'm a young person and i'm dating someone there's no commitment there there's no uh you know, maybe a connection maybe uh i think she's cute or she's pretty and so you know i want to date her um but if it doesn't work out i can go find somebody else and that attitude that we have in dating often gets carried over into marriage and we think well if this doesn't work out i can find somebody else from the very beginning, we said, there's no one else. We, if we're going to do this, we're going to make it work. So that's number one. Number two is remembering that neither of us is perfect. 
it's easy to remember that I'm not perfect, but expect her to be. Well, why aren't you doing this? Why, you know, why did you do that instead of the other thing? Why aren't you perfect? None of us is perfect. We're supposed to be getting better. We're supposed to be getting more like Christ, but we're not perfect. And if, uh, if we expect the other person to be perfect, then we will always, always, always be disappointed. And that leads me to number three. And that is, we have to be careful. And I heard this from another pastor once. We have to be careful about the level of expectations that we place on each other. So if I expect my wife, let's say, let's say I expect my wife to have dinner for me ready as soon as I walk in the door. I come home from work, I step into the house, and dinner must be ready. That is my expectation. Do you realize that she can never win? She can only lose. Because if she has dinner ready as soon as I get home, she's just made it to zero. She cannot she can't get better than that. If she has dinner ready for me before I get home, it will be cold when I get there. And then I will be unhappy. And so she loses. If she does not have dinner waiting for me when I get home, then she has not met my expectations and she loses. She has to have dinner ready for me exactly at the moment that I get home. So it's the exact temperature that I want, the exact food that I want. And she has just barely met expectations. She can never do better than that. There's never anything that she can strive to get better. There's nothing for me to praise her. There's nothing for me to encourage her because I have set my expectations in such a way to set her up for failure instead of success. And one of the things that I had to learn in this whole concept of submission and marriage is what can I do to set my wife up for success instead of failure? And I know it seems counterintuitive, it seems backward, but I had to lower my expectations. I had to give her a lot of room to be able to succeed. And the better she succeeds because she wants to, the more room that I have to praise her, to encourage her. And this is something that we learned together. And we have to constantly be looking, are my expectations too high? And creating a space that she can never win. She can only be a loser. And I think that was one of the most powerful things I ever learned was to lower my expectations so that I have room to praise her. So she has room to want to succeed. And uh, it's just been amazing for us. Uh, thank you so much. That's really very helpful. And uh, just here with Anita. She's been hearing and following everything and hope we'll have more years. Uh